Welcome. You're listening to Uncommon Sense. My name is Doug Morgan. Today we're going to tackle the subject, Can a Christian be pro-choice? Welcome to Uncommon Sense. I'm Doug Morgan, and I appreciate you listening to the show today. Uh, Today we are going to tackle the question, can a Christian be pro-life? Before we get into that, I just wanted to uh, say that I really, really appreciate everybody who listens to the show and uh, has even hit the, the follow button. Uh, I, am, I am astounded at how many people have done that so far and just very encouraged by what we see here. Um, and if you would like to communicate with us, we have an email, and that uh, is foruncommonsense at gmail.com. That's 4-F-O-R, uncommonsense at gmail.com. And there you can submit uh, any questions uh, that you may have, uh, from you, whether it's something that, that we've spoken about or something that we haven't yet. If you want to submit topics uh, that you'd like us to, t- to tackle, uh, then we, uh, we want to hear from, from you. We also uh, want to hear your feedback on things that we've uh, covered or things that we've said. Uh, want to make sure that, um, that, that we're able to, to, to cover the things that you want to hear and, and take a stab at, at answering any questions that you may have. So uh, feel free to uh, go to foruncommonsense at gmail.com and communicate with us. We will respond uh, in person. I, I, I respond to every single one uh, personally, and I look forward to hearing from you. But let's get right into, can a Christian be pro-choice? Uh, this came up in a post that I saw from a retired pastor friend of mine, uh, and, and he just simply posted that question. That was it. There, uh, and, and allowed us to actually have a discussion about this topic. Um, he was able to, to, to get a lot of different perspectives from mostly Christians uh, that he has on his, his list of friends. And, and one of the comments that was made in this post read this. He said, I believe so. God gave us free will to live our lives as we choose. He gave us brains to think things through. If a woman has an abortion, which is her choice to make, then it is like all of us who have sinned between her and her God. And if those who believe it is murder in all cases, who are you to say a woman can't carry a child uh, of, a, of a rapist or a child of incest, I wish adoption was the answer. And that was his response to it. So it took me back a little bit. Um, I was able to respond myself, but I, I wanted to cover that here because the more that I have seen, um, I think particularly during this season, this political season, I have seen a lot of of question when it comes to can you be a Christian and be pro-choice? So let's let's dive into that. Uh, I'm not today going to go so much into 
uh, into depth as far as the abortion issue and whether or not it's right or wrong or that type of thing. I, I, I'm, I'm going to make the statement that abortion is wrong. And we can get into uh, why and, 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 and where we find that in the Bible um, a little more uh, in, in other podcasts. But I will say this, and, and in fact, we, we know when we read the Bible that the Bible says that even child sacrifice is murder. And, and, and we see that in a couple different places. Let, let, me, let me even read to you uh, Leviticus 18.21. It says, You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Leviticus 18.21. Let me read another one to you. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Deuteronomy 12, 31. And one last one. And this comes from Ezekiel 16, 20 and 21. It says, And you took your sons and your daughters whom you had borne to me, and these you sacrifice to them to be devoured. Were your whorings so small a matter that you slandered my children, slaughtered my children, and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them? You see, as I read that, does that not scream what we're doing today? That we are slaughtering innocent children. And whether or not they're inside the mother's womb or outside the mother's womb, it does not matter. This is child sacrifice, and it is murder. If you believe that a child is being murdered during an abortion, then there really is only one conclusion that we can come to when it, as a Christian. And... Yes, we have a free will. The, the, the reply here is that we have a free will, and yes, God has given us a brain, and He has given us a free will, but that free will that He's given us is to sin or not to sin. When we choose, we choose to either follow Him, or we choose not to follow Him as Christ our Savior. When we sin, we are completely going against what He wants. That's basically the definition of sin. We are turning away from God. And we as Christians, obviously, go through a time, uh, times of sinning. We, we, we do sin. But we don't repeat that sin, and we don't go to that sin over and over again if we are seeking after Him. You see, abortion affects both a mom and a child. It's not just our decision. It's not just our free will. Who is standing up for the one who's being murdered here? Again, you have to understand, if this is truly murder, if we truly believe that a baby is being killed here and murdered here, then how can we say that it's my free will to make that decision? Murder is murder. And it doesn't matter whether it was this, this pregnancy was a result of a... Uh, a rapist or incest or whatever the case may be, if it's murder, it's murder. Why does the child have to pay for someone else's sin? 
And that's what's happening here. Now, yes, the, the, the mom will suffer as well. I mean, we could go into a whole litany of things that moms go through after they have an abortion. Yes, I, that, that's, a, that, again, a whole other area that we could dive into. But just simply looking at the act itself of abortion, it is murder. And if you believe it's murder of an innocent child, then what justifies that? What free will choice can the mother make or whoever is making this decision, what free choice can they make that would justify murder? And so if we believe that, then as a Christian, can we support that? Can we support the murdering of an innocent child? Of course, we can be pro-choice and be a Christian if we can be pro-gossip and be a Christian. If we, I mean, if, if, if murder is a sin, and we know it is, the Bible is very clear, right down to the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. And so, if it is a sin, and it is, then we can we be a Christian and support another type of sin? Can we be pro-gluttony? <laughs> I mean, we can bring up a lot of different sins. Sin is sin. And we can say, well, yeah, I can, I, 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 I can be pro-gossip uh, and, and be a Christian, but can we really? And can we support those individuals that actually do this kind of thing? Yes, we can be a Christian. God can save us and we can repent from our sins. But we have to get to that point. If we see people who are profane, uh, pr- pronouncing themselves to be Christians and supporting those that murder, there's, some, there's something amiss there. There's something in that relationship that's amiss. Yes, we can be saved and be completely wrong and, 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 and have bad theology. We can have all kinds of different things. But as we grow and as we mature in Christ in our relationship with him, that's when we start to hear from the Holy Spirit. He starts to point out things in our lives. We start to correct those things and repent of those things that we have been doing wrong or, or had, had wrong, wrong theology on. You know, as we mature, we get to be closer and closer in our relationship with Christ. You see, as a Christian, what is a Christian? A Christian itself is just simply someone who is trying to be Christ-like. That's what a Christian means. I mean, in, in, in this society that we have, oftentimes people say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm an American. But that's not necessarily what a, what a Christian is. What a Christian is, is somebody who is Christ-like. And so when we profess to be a Christian, and we profess to have a relationship with a living God who is a Savior, who's, who's definitely saved us from our sins then we have repented and we have gone completely a, turned to 180 and gone toward him instead of away from him. Let me read one, more, one last scripture here. 1 John 3, 6 through 9. And it says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. 
Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because as he has been born of God. 1 John 3, 6-9. You see, we are going to sin at times as Christians. Yes, we are going to support people who sin at times. This, this is just human nature. We, we, we are not perfect. We're going to get things wrong. But when we see things the way they are, when God gives us knowledge, when God gives us wisdom, because we, He gives us both, knowledge and wisdom, especially when we seek after it, when we pray for it, as the Holy Spirit guides us, we can see that the, the way to be more Christ-like. We can see how, how the wisdom is going to help us in areas that we didn't see before. And when we become more mature spiritually, we are going to see areas like this, where I believe people have unfortunately been led astray. And there are a lot of church leaders out there who have, who are professing this, that, that you can you can support abortion, you can um, not want it to be illegal. I mean, come on. We, what we don't do is we don't make something legal when it shouldn't be, just because we can't stop it, let's say. There's those arguments out there where we need to, to keep abortion legal because, um, you know, we're not going to stop it. It's it's going to happen. But we don't do that with, with murder, with actual murder of, of people who have already been born. We don't, we don't say, oh, well, we can't stop people from murdering, so we're just going to make it legal. And, you know, maybe send a social worker out there or, or help them. Yes, we need to make it illegal and then help those that are in need. That's also biblical. When we see somebody who is in a situation that they need to, to have help with, whether it be an unplanned pregnancy or whatever, we are there and mandated to help them. But we cannot, absolutely cannot support the killing of an unborn, helpless child just because it's inside the mom. And again, we, we will tackle abortion. We, we are going to, to get into more of, of that topic in the future. But, but we have to understand as a Christian, answering the question of whether or not a, a Christian can be pro-life, I just don't see how a mature Christian can. Yes, I, I, I can see how, how people, whether they're Christian or not, can be led astray in, in, on a false path of untruth. But when we understand truth, we understand that it is murder. Whether we can see it, we can see that through science, we can see that through the Bible, we can see that in a number of different ways. It is the killing of a life. And if that's the case, we cannot support that as a Christian in any way, shape, or form. So I look forward to your comments on this. Please, if, if you uh, want to take just a few moments and, and send me a, a note, that email address is foruncommonsense, F-O-R, uncommonsense, at gmail.com. 
hit the follow if you if you like what you're hearing here we uh, again are very humbled at the number of people that are doing that and I would uh, I would appreciate it if you would do that and, and that way you can get a notification when we uh, do podcasts we're trying to do right now about three a week and and there's so many things that we just need to talk about when it comes to Christianity and politics, and how those two things mix in our lives. Thank you for listening. You can hear the podcast in a number of different places now. A number of them are picking up the podcast. Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Radio Public and Breaker are at least five of the different places that you can pick up and listen to Uncommon Sense. Hello, you're listening to Uncommon Sense. My name is Doug Morgan, and on this podcast, we are beginning a three-part series, one today, one on Wednesday, and one on Friday, and the podcast is going to be covering Christians versus government authority. This is a particularly relevant subject, I think, because of the times that we live in, uh, particularly during this time of COVID and the lockdowns and the different things that are happening uh, in our culture today, and... And it's a particularly interesting topic for me. I have been doing a lot of research, hours upon hours of research, uh, a lot of prayer. And and I know that we can react as Christians to uh, to the way that, that these lockdowns have come down or, or anything, really, when it comes... It doesn't have to just be COVID. But we can react in our humanness. We can react in our emotions. I know I can logically think my way through a lot of different situations, but what is it that the Bible is asking us to do, and how is it that the Bible is asking us to respond? And so, what are our responsibilities in this area? Um, and and that's what I really want to drive drive into during this week and these three next three podcasts. Um, we see, like for instance. Um, this podcast is based out of the Pacific Northwest in, in the United States here. I know that we have listeners all over the place, and so I'm not going to make this a local issue, but I am going to use this as an example because here in the Northwest, in the states of Oregon and Washington, we have uh, some very liberal governors who really like to, um, they like their lockdowns. <laughs> in fact, here in the uh, last few days, uh, we are locked down even more heavily than we have at any other time. And, and, and I've seen some interesting teachings on this particular subject of Christians and government authority when it even comes to our pastors. I, I just saw, just the other day, in fact, um, it, it was from a sermon yesterday, um, and it was, I was watching some clips online, and this pastor basically said, we need to wear a mask at all times in order to be loving. That if we're not doing that, we're not doing the loving thing, and that it would be going against the teachings of Jesus Christ. Uh, he also said we need to obey the laws no matter what, uh, no matter what they are or who, they, who they're coming from. If they're a governmental uh, authority, then we need to obey those things. And is that the biblical response? Well, I don't know. We're, let's let's take a look here. Uh, Governor Kate Brown of Oregon 
has uh, said that we definitely need to do that. She's, she said, I'm not asking you to obey. I'm telling you to obey. Uh, Governor Inslee has, has said uh, similar things. They're asking that uh, and actually telling us that we can only have 25 people within a church. Uh, those people cannot sing, and they have to be wearing masks, and they have to be re- registered. Um, we we cannot have more in Oregon. Uh, can, cannot have more than six people uh, in your own house, and that those things can be enforced by uh, state police, and they can come into your house and and uh, and and regulate those things within your house. Uh, these these are these are restrictions coming down by the government. And, uh, and, and as a Christian, are we just to say, okay, we're going to obey? Well, let's take a look. Romans 13.1 is where we want to start. And uh, that's a, a very common scripture that's be, that, that pastors refer to when it comes to submission to authorities. And let's read that. It says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. So what is that saying? Does that mean that we just need to obey everything that a governmental authority says because God is the one who institutes those people and puts them into place? Um, I, would, I, I would suggest that if that's the case, if that's the way you believe that God puts every single government official in place, um, then then it, it brings up a number of questions here then. And one of those questions is, does God install ungodly leaders? Because if he installs every single leader, then that would mean that he installs ungodly leaders. Is that his will? Is that what he does? Uh, I would suggest that maybe that's not necessarily the case. Why would God install an ungodly leader? Well, let's take a, let's take a, a, a little closer look at some of the points that people will suggest, and even pastors will suggest, that are in Scripture that say that he does install all leaders. And uh, there's there's two Old Testament, there's two New Testament. Let's take a look at Psalms 75. Uh, is It would be the first one that, that I can think of that people will uh, bring up and say, this is what, the, uh, is what we need to do as Christians, because God does install every leader. Psalm 75, 7 is where we're going to now. And what it says here is it says, but it is God who exists, who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. Um, yes, it, it does say God puts down and lifts up, but is he saying that he puts down and lifts up leaders? Is this talking about governmental leadership? You can read beforehand, you can read after. It doesn't say anything about government leaders. And so, yes, he pride comes before fall, and there's things that, that happen uh, to us. Uh, God can be the instrument or, or not. But, um, but it's not referring here to government officials. And so uh, I don't know if we can use that scripture to say that, that God institutes everyone and we need to obey everything. Daniel 2, verse 21 uh, is another one that's used in the Old Testament, and it says this. He said, says, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So obviously here, they, there, there's those that stand on he, uh, where he, he rises kings up, he takes kings out, 
Um, so that is referring uh, to, to a governmental system. Um, but is it saying that he does that every time? Is that saying that, that every single king he put into place and every single king he's taken out of place? Uh, I would suggest that no, it, that it's suggesting here that he can intervene and he does intervene at times. I have no problem with that. God is sovereign. He can do what he wants. But it's not necessi- necessarily saying that he's doing this on every single level. He doesn't... Um, yeah, we, we know that he can actually do miracles and that miracles are done today. But does he do miracles every time? No. We don't know why. We don't know why he doesn't just do a miracle every time we ask him to. But he does and is able to do miracles, but he doesn't do them all the time. He can intervene and he does intervene, but he doesn't do it all the time. And I, I would suggest that our government officials uh, are the same thing, that he can intervene, he can institute someone, he can, he can put somebody in place or take them out, but he doesn't do that every time. We do have a free will. We do, we do know that we can be governed uh, by, by who we elect in this country, but we're going to get into that here uh, a little bit more uh, later. Uh, let's take a look at New Testament scripture then. And there are two New Testament scriptures that people like to stand on in order to support this kind of theology. And Luke 20, starting at verse 22, is, is where um, it talks about this. And, and uh, Luke 20, 22 says this. It says, It is lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar, or not. But, the perceive, but he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. All right, so now we're, we're getting into uh, where Jesus is doing some teaching. They're trying to trap him here, obviously, in, in, a, in, a, in a logic trap. And, and just like every other time, he, he doesn't allow himself to, 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 to be trapped. And he, what he says here is that we are to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, this is talking about taxes. This is a Daenerys that he, that he uh, had them look at. He's, he's saying that, that we need to give taxes uh, to the, the local government or whatever gov- government is in authority here. And, uh, and we need to not um, you know, run away from that responsibility. Now, we know that, um, that there were people during those times that uh, did not teach that, that they uh, basically said, hey, we are um, following followers of God, and we're not going to follow anything that any kind of government says. Um, and, and, and he's really talking in, in a great manner to this type of mentality. Uh, it doesn't say anything here as far as do we actually follow what, uh, uh, let's say, an unjust ruler um, would, would have us do. Uh, or, or anything other than taxes can we take from this particular scripture. So let's go to the last one. And I think this is the one that, that a lot of people uh, think of when they, when they say, hey, this is what the Bible says, that we are to just simply uh, follow God in everything that, that the Bible says, but also follow government in everything that it says until it overlaps into uh, non-biblical things. So let's take a look at that. In 1 Peter 2, 
um, is where we're going to start. 1 Peter 2, 13 uh, through verse 17 says this, To be subject for the Lord's sake to every human instruction, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. You see, in this, it's interesting because it's kind of telling us, as if you just read it straight out here, that we are to be subject to every human institution. And, and so people will stand on this and say, that's what the Bible is saying, that we need to be subject to and obey without question everything that a government authority figure has to say to us. So let's take a look and see if that truly is what it's saying. Well, if we look a little bit closer, I think you're going to see a couple things. First of all, we know that in the New Testament, this was Paul, and he was he was um, he was writing in um, in his uh, Greek language, and the Greek word here is hupotasso uh, for submit. Uh, and if if we are to submit to every human institution. Um, then we need to know what submit means. And hupotasso, um, is, it means submit or be subject. And it means to arrange stuff respectfully in an orderly manner underneath. Let me repeat that again. It means to arrange stuff respectfully in an orderly manner underneath. Now, this, this, this word is uh, not unique to this passage right here. This word is also used in other areas, including Ephesians 5.22, in relation to husbands and wives. Now, I've heard a lot of sermons when it comes to pastors and, and, and talking about husbands and wives and how they're to interact with each other. And the Bible has a number of different passages, including right here uh, in 1 Peter, where it talks about wives, you need to submit to your husbands. You need to uh, hupotasso to your husbands. And what does that mean? Well, the, the, there's a lot of sermons that that, that um, get it correct when they say that it doesn't mean that wives are to be a slave to their husbands. It means that they are to be a teammate to their husbands. That they are uh, that, that the husbands are are to love their wives as themselves. They are to listen to their wives. They are to be a team player with their wives. That that their wives have have an integral part in that marriage. And yet there is uh, there is an authority structure there within the family, and we are to respect that if we are a wife, and we are to respect our wives and love our wives if we're a husband. And this all works together very well. But when it comes to this same word here in 1 Peter 2.13, when it says we're to be subject to every human institution, then suddenly we want to change that word. And we want to say, well, but it just simply means to obey every single thing the government says. When we use the same word... When it comes to husbands and wives, we don't preach the same thing. We don't say, well, wives, you need to obey every single thing that your husband says, that he is the authority, that God has put him there, and you are to do it unquestionably. We don't preach that. I mean, it it was preached in, in times past, and it was wrong. 
Now I'm suggesting that the very same thing is happening here in this passage when it comes to governmental authority, that if we take this and we say that we are to blindly obey without question our government authority, then that is exactly not what the scripture is saying. Because if that was the case, then there would have been another Greek word used here. And the Greek word for that is hupokuo, which means obey, to conform, to follow, a command or to kowtow to an authority as a subordinate. You see, this word is used 21 times in relations to like children and parents and slaves and masters. I mean, we we know that there's a different relationship between a husband and wife and a child and their parents. We know that there's a difference between a husband and wife or a, a, a master and a, and a slave than there is when it comes to a husband and a wife. You see, these are two different words. And if the the last word was going to be used, the obey, without question, word was to be used when it comes to a government authority, then Paul would have used that word. But he didn't. He didn't use that word. He used one that meant that we are to respect and we are to um, give weight to an orderly manner underneath, is what that means. So, yes, we are to respect the office, but doesn't mean that we're to obey every single ruling or whatever case may be when it comes to our authorities. I'm suggesting maybe that's not the case here because we know what words are being used. We also know in 1 Peter 2.13 it says, for the sake, for the for the Lord's sake. And for the Lord's sake, that, that means that um, one cannot obey a wicked law for the Lord's sake, right? I mean, the Lord would not uh, want us uh, obeying a wicked law, would not want us enforcing a wicked law. And so uh, how can we do that for the Lord's sake? Um, so, so do we see here that, that God installs ungodly leaders uh, to do his will, or does he use ungodly leaders to do his will? Well, he doesn't necessarily install them, but he can use them, just like he doesn't necessarily create bad things to happen in our lives but he definitely can use those things for his good. We look at this, let's let's go back and look at Romans 13 speaking uh, about this. So with all of this in context, now that we can see here a little bit more about what uh, the, the scripture is saying, uh, let's take a look at Romans 13 again and speaking see if it's speaking about anarchy or any government. You see are we to obey and are we to have respect for the office well i think we are supposed to have respect for for authority figures but are we to obey blindly i don't believe so and here in romans 13 the government was set up by god but it doesn't necessarily mean that he put every single person in office he set up the institution of government why would god do that why would god set up the institution of government well because anarchy is chaos And God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. God is a God of justice. He put the government system in place to have that order and justice. See, this is starting to make some sense now, isn't it? You see, we we are to be anti-tyranny, not anti-government. 
Romans 13 is saying to honor the institution, not necessarily the person in it. You see, we, we know that God instituted government, a governmental system. And there's lots of different governmental systems. But he, he instituted a governmental system because he knows that without that, there's anarchy. And with anarchy and the way that we're wired as human beings, that is chaos. And God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. Now, we're going to look here in the next uh, two parts. We're going to look a little bit further into this. What does that mean for us? What does that look like? But I think it's very important to establish here, the very first thing, that the idea that we as Christians are just simply to obey blindly and to go about whatever our authority figure tells us without any question to whether or not that's right, wrong, evil, wicked, it doesn't matter, then that is a teaching that is not biblical. A teaching that is biblical says that God created a governmental system and that we are to uh, have respect for that system, we are to uh, help maintain that system, but we are not necessarily to blindly just obey whatever a government figure says. And so let's take a look at this a little bit farther in, in, the, in the next couple days. Um, if, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, uh, you may completely disagree with what I'm pointing out here. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have an email for, for that. Uh, I will personally um, look at, at yours and respond to your uh, email, every single one. Uh, that email for, uh, for you, the show here is foruncommonsense at gmail.com. Again, that's for, F-O-R, uncommonsense at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And, uh, and if you like what, what you're hearing here, or maybe you don't like it, just, but it is intriguing, why don't you hit the follow button, and that way you can be notified uh, of, of future podcasts. We try to do about three week, uh, like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing, and we're having a wonderful time looking into truth when it comes to Christianity and politics. Thanks for listening.